All right, it's really good to see everybody. I want to thank you all for being here and being a part of our group today in our study of the life of Christ through a harmony of the Gospels. We are going to do our best to finish up John chapter 9. We've been working on that for three or four weeks. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, that's where we'll start today in John chapter 9. Um, uh, let's open with a word of prayer and, and we'll get going. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for this opportunity to come and study your word. You know, your word is truth and we need it uh, to give us life and to give us light and to give us hope. And so we pray now that as we open up your word and begin to study, that you will open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to believe you, to receive you, to trust you and walk with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if y'all remember, guys, we've been in studying a harmony of the gospel, which means we've been taking Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and combining all four of those stories together into one chronological story of the life of the earthly ministry of Jesus. And in the we've been, the last couple of weeks, have been studying <clears throat> about a blind man who Jesus gave sight and so today we're going to finish up John chapter 9. Remember the blind man, he's been blinded. Uh, he was blind from birth. Jesus healed him. He can now see. And now last time we were together, we saw a conflict going on between the religious uh, authorities and this blind man. Um, they And they are rejecting Jesus and the blind man is receiving Jesus. So today we want to finish up John 9 and we're going to see here where Jesus affirms his deity. So in John chapter 9 verses 35 through 41. John chapter 9 verses. Oh, it's another John. Oh, what John John is this? That's his little letters. Is it the same John? Yes. John wrote John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Revelation. He wrote those five books. (laughs) Chapter 9. Yep, John 9, verse 35 through 41. And this is what it says. Jesus heard that they had put him out. And finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Verse 39 says, Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world so that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, We are not blind, are we? We are not blind too, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say, we see your sin remains. So remember what had happened. Jesus healed this man and gave him sight. He had been blind since birth. <clears throat> and now that he can see, there's been a big stir in the city, in, the, in that community, because this man who had been blind since he was a child can now see. So everybody in the community is well aware that a true miracle has happened. God has given a man new eyes. And so what you will see is you're going to see a reaction to that miracle. You're going to see a reaction to the miracle maker, right? You're going to see a reaction to Jesus. And based on our hearts, we will either be able to see Jesus, to receive Jesus, and to believe Jesus, or we will reject him and uh, willfully suppress his truth. 
And that's what we're going to see today. What I want to do first, before we do that, I want you to turn back with me to John, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, to Psalm 27. We're going to read a psalm together today. So turn back with me to Psalm 27. That's in the Old Testament. It's right about in the middle of your Bible. If you open the Bible to about the, the middle, you'll be in the book of Psalm, Psalms. And we're going to look at Psalm 27. And this is a uh, to trust in the Lord. And what I want you to do when we read this, remember all of the Bible is about who? Jesus. And it can be, and what I want you to do today as we read this psalm together, I want you to think of three different people as we read this psalm. One, I want you to think of the way that you would pray this prayer, this psalm, back to God, if you were praying it yourself. Then I want you to think about the uh, Jesus praying this prayer to his Father in heaven. And I also want you to think about the blind man who about 800 years from when this was written was going to be healed by Jesus, how he would pray to Jesus too, okay? So let's look at it together, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I will be confident. All right, is that something that we could pray? Mm -hmm. Pray that God is going to take care of us even when the whole world is against us, when our enemies are against us. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, what about Jesus? Could Jesus pray this prayer? Was there a time in his life when there was enemies surrounding him and trying to hurt him? Yeah, certainly was. All right. And what about the blind man in our story today that we've been reading? Does he have some enemies around him? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it says this One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Yes, Lord. Mine says, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after. See, yeah. Okay. Later. I shall seek. Mine says seek after. Oh, seek after. Okay, never mind. I got it. All right. Now. Uh, for in the, for in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle in the secret place of his tent he will hide me he will lift me up on a rock and now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy I will sing yes I will sing praises to the Lord when would be a time that we would sing praises to the Lord in church okay good when is another time that we would sing praises when you have me. When you're happy, when he's done good things for you. So is there times in your life where you could pray this and say, Oh, Lord, I sing to you, yes. right? And and what about the blind man that has now got his sight? Do you think that there may be a reason for him to want to sing and shout? Yeah, sing, jump, yeah, shout. Yeah, 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 very much. All right. Verse 7 says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, shall I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Right? Remember what happened to this blind man? 
the Pharisees went and asked his mother and dad, they said, is this your son? Right? Was he born blind? And they said, yeah, he was born blind. But we don't know how he got his sight. Right, James. And why did they do that? Because they were afraid. They were afraid that they would get they kicked out of the sinner. They were not trusting the Lord. Right. So would you say that this man could have prayed and said that his father and mother had forsaken him? Yeah. Right. What about Jesus when he was hanging on the cross? What did he say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because remember, he who knew no sin became sin for us. And his father turned away from him, right? His father turned away uh, his eyes from him because he took on our sin. And God can't look upon right? right? And so when when we cry, to, is there, are there times in our lives where we feel like God is not there when he might have forsaken us? So you could see where this song could be oh, prayed, wow. right? You could see where this song could be prayed by us. It could be prayed by this well, blind he man. Was doing the wrong thing, right? like when I was out on the street. He, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. turned away yeah. from me. So verse 11. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desires of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. Do you, have you ever been able to pray and thank God in your life that you've seen him be good to you? Oh, my God. Right? Now, now, what about the blind man? Could he pray and say he can now see the goodness of the Lord? Right? You see? And it said, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. All right. So what, one of the passages that says, be still and know that he is God, right? And, and in the process of us waiting for the Lord, we're learning how to trust God. God is God's going to do something that we're not going to go down in fury. Sure. All right. So as we look at verse 35, Jesus, uh, this is in John. John chapter, we're back at John chapter 9. Make another point too. Yes. As you're waiting for the Lord, the Lord people... You know, don't just wait in silence and suffer in silence. Seek guidance. Talk to God's people. Talk to your church family. Because that might be where the answer is, and that might be where the Lord wants you to look. Sure. All right. So, in John 9, verse 35, Jesus heard that they put him out. And finding him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? So, first thing, they put him out. Where, Where are we? John 9, we go back at... 35. No, you're in Psalm, Lord. Oh, back to John. John 9, verse 35. Jesus heard that they put him out. Why did they kick him out? Because he was blind. Hmm? Because he was blind. He wasn't blind anymore. He can now see. Oh, because they don't know how he can now see. Because he was blind at first. It didn't bring any glory to them. It brought glory to the Lord. Good. And not only that, this man was claiming that Jesus had healed him, didn't he? Right? And so, do you see where when we stand up for truth, when we stand up for Jesus, when we stand up for what He teaches, which is truth, there are going to be people that are going to reject you and push you and away. And that's happening today. Like I was trying to do Bible study and, and people trying to reject that. Do this instead. All right. So, as we, why did they put him out? Because there is always a conflict going on between light and darkness. All right? There's always a conflict going on between light and darkness. And I want you to think about the contrast 
of light and darkness going on in this story that we're reading today. Remember, this man was blind. He was walking in the dark. And God come and turned the lights on. What happened when the lights came on? He could see. He could also see the truth of Jesus. Good. He could see. But the religious crowd claimed that they were the light, that they could see, and in reality they are they're Self, blind. They're self-righteous. They're blind. So you're seeing this constant conflict going on between light and dark. And Jesus is that dividing line, and he's the light. When he comes in, the darkness has to go and, away. And do you suppose that this blind man, after being put out, was sad and horrified and all? He'd probably still jump around happy as he can be. That he can see. And remember, remember, we're, we're fixing to see this in just a second. Remember, this man has not seen Jesus yet. The The conversation that Jesus is having with him right now in verse 35, they kicked him out. Now Jesus comes to the man. This is the first time that with his physical eyes, he's ever seen Jesus. Remember, when Jesus confronted him the first time, he was what? Blind. And Jesus put the mud on his eyes and told him to go and wash. So So he's never seen Jesus. Oh. So... Remember, when God is at work in people's lives, sometimes before they even see Jesus themselves, God is already at work in their lives. That way he can, they can give him the glory. Good. So, so who approached who first? Jesus approached Buddy first. Jesus approached the blind man first. Yeah, the blind man. Why did he have to approach the blind man first? Because he, he would have never been able to find him himself, would he? Yeah. And the Bible teaches us that in our natural fallen state, that we as sinners, we as fallen sons of Adam and Eve, would never come to God. We would just rather stay in the bushes and hide and keep ourselves covered with the fig leaves. It's always God that comes to us. Now, once God comes to us, if He really turns the light on, then we're going to want to do what? Come to Him. Absolutely. But it's always He's the one that's got to turn the lights on first. Which is a gift. Yes. It's a gift. It's grace. All right? So... They've, so he has to turn the light on for you to be a child of him? Yes, very much so. so. If you want to be a child of him, you can't until he turns the lights on. That's exactly right. Okay. right but, so you think about it. You, you wouldn't even be interested in the Bible. You wouldn't be interested nope. in God's people. So them lights, little girl, have been turned on for you. All right. So, <laughs> so they put him out, and he now comes to the man, and this is what he asked. What did he ask the man? Do you believe? And I want everybody to remember that it's not our belief that causes the lights. Verse 35. John 9, 35. Jesus heard that they had made believe. Having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? All right. So he comes to him and he asks him, do you believe in the Son of Man? First of all, do you believe? And remember, it's not our believing that gives us light. It's the light that gives us believing. That's very important to remember. That's a gift. So my belief has to be in something that is true or it's no good. 
Y'all heard that song, I Believe I Can Fly, right? R. Kelly. I think he's the one that sings that. So, well, I can stand on top of the tallest building in the world and sing that, and I can believe that I can fly so much that I jump off that building. But every time I will fall to the ground and die because gravity does not change for no one. No, it doesn't. You see? Now. But that will be that will be like a real miracle if somebody jump off the off a building and God actually like gravity hold like yeah. Yeah, God gave me the gift of being yeah. able to be smart enough that no you can't jump yeah. off a building. So think about what's going on here. <laughs> think about what's going on here. My belief, my faith you has to be God. in something <laughs> that is true. My faith has to be in something that is true. So what does Jesus ask him? Do you believe in the Son of Man? Steve has a question. Yes. Are we allowed to go to the bathroom yeah. in school? Yeah, yeah, you can go down there and go to the restroom. All right. So, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, in some of your Bibles, if you've got an old King James Bible, it'll say, do you believe in the Son of God? In the newer translation, it says Son of Man. Now, some people that believe in only the King James Bible say, see, they've taken out the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. And so they're trying to take away the fact that He's God. But the reality is, is that the older manuscripts all say Son of Man. Well, why is that so important? Because if you go back into the Old Testament, in the books of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel, and some of the Old Testament prophets, the coming one, the Messiah, the Lord, the one who is coming to save His people, is known as the Son of Man. So this is meant for the the Jewish religion leaders to be able to connect that. Good. They do not. Good. Very much so. And so not only... So what we need to remember in this is the Son of Man and Son of God are both synonymous. They're both talking about the same person. But remember, John teaches us that Jesus became a man and walked among us. Why? So that we could know God. And so that... Remember what Jesus said to Thomas. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Right? So Jesus is the revelation of God. And so when he terms himself the Son of Man, what he's saying is the man who has come to help us to know the Father. The, the one who has helped, come to help us to know God, to know Yahweh. God that right. Man. But the Son of Man is an Old Testament uh, reference to the coming Messiah, the Savior. So when Jesus is asking this guy, do you believe in the Son of Man? What he's asking is, do you believe in the Messiah? Do you believe in the Savior? Yeah. You see? And uh, so the term should be viewed as indistinguishable from Son of God. Um, it's equivalent to the Christ or the Lord. So when you hear him ask this man that, do you believe in the Son of Man? You could all he could have simply, he could have just as well have asked, do you believe in the Christ or do you believe in the Lord? And so what I want to do is I want to show you some passages where it's very important that we believe in the Lord, that we believe in the Son of God, that we believe in the Son of Man. So I've got this. Uh, the, I, I, I have a question though. Like, I, think, I don't know what Bible study it was, but they said that because um, I was confused on that one. Like, I thought God was just God and Jesus was just Jesus, but it's God is three in one. Yes, the Trinity. It, it is confusing, and it really can't be explained, but all three are one God. So, 
Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and the Father is God. But the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father. They're all God. They're one being, three persons. Okay. Which makes him God, not like us. If we could understand that, Julie, we would be like God. But we can't. Right. It's hard for us. Alright. So, let's look at some passages where it says that we need to believe in the Son of God, believe in the Son of Man, to believe in the Lord to be saved. In Acts, this is in this handout that I handed you. In Acts 8.37, it says this. Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And this is being baptized. He's talking to Ethiopian Union. You may be, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So the Ethiopian unit made a profession of faith. What did he say? I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. In Romans 10, 9, it said, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So who is Jesus? He's the Son of God. He is the Lord. And the Lord being the Lord of the Old Testament, Yahweh, Jehovah, the covenant-keeping, promise-keeping, creator of the world. So, these passages are reminding us that Jesus is God and it's that through believing in Him that we know the Father, that we know Him. And it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God, that's the Holy Spirit, says Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. All right? So in order to be able to say Jesus is Lord, I have to have that uh, the ability given to me through the Holy Spirit to even claim that. Now when I say that and He that is... comes with the gift of faith. Yes. And, and to say that, to say that He is Lord, what that really means, to call Him Lord, means He's God, but it also means He's the boss of me. When you call somebody right. Lord, it means they're the boss of you. And, you and none of us in this room... None of us like anybody to be the boss of us. You wouldn't hear any atheists or any anybody say Jesus is Lord. That would not come out of their mouth. Right. They might could say the words. But I don't think they would. I don't think they would. They might could say the words, but just because they say the words does not mean that he is Lord. Right. So right. So it's a profession. In other words, if he really is the boss of me, then I'm going to let him boss me. You see how it works? And you get happier and happier and happier. If he if he really is Lord, if he really is the boss of me, then I'm going to let him boss me. Absolutely. Uh, you see how that works? Okay. So, uh, Philippians two eleven says, "Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." So what that means is, on Judgment Day, even all of the people that died rejecting Him, even all of the people would never admit that He was God. Are one day going to have on their knees have to confess that He is God. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. He is the Lord. And that's what he asked this guy. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And what was the man's reply to him? (coughs) Jesus is inviting this man to put his trust in the one who is the revelation of God to man. So when he asks this guy, he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? He is giving this man an invitation to believe in the Son of Man, to believe in the one who is revealing the Father to us. 
You see how that works? He's opening a door invitation and saying, Do you believe in the Son of Man? So let's look at a couple more passages. Uh, Son of Man in John 1.51. He said to him, Truly, truly, I, this is Jesus speaking, I say to you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. John 3.13 says, No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. In verse 14 it says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. In John 5.27, He gave Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. In John 6.27, Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on Him the Father God has set His seal. So Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in yourself. What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where He was before? That's John 6.62. In John 8.28, Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father has taught me. So all through the book of John, John is constantly reminding us that Jesus is the Son of Man. And in the Old Testament, the term Son of Man refers to the Savior, the Messiah. So Jesus is coming to this man and asking him, do you believe in the Son of Man? So what is he doing? He's giving him the invitation to profess what he really believes. And what what is the man's response? Let's see what happens. Look in verse 36. Who is he? Right? That's a that's an honest question, isn't it? Who is he that I may believe in him? Now, is this guy saying who is he because he doubts that there is a son of man? He wants to believe in him. And that's the difference. When God is at work in a person's heart, when God is really at work in a person's heart, they're really going to want to know who Jesus is. There's really going to be a desire to really know him. You see? So he's not asking this like saying, well, who is he? Like as if he's doubting. This man has just had the greatest miracle ever happened in his life happen to him. He has been blind since he was a baby, and now he can see the world around him, and he wants to know who it is that created this world, and he wants to know who it is that gave him new eyes. And what did Jesus say to him? Jesus said, you have now seen him. He is the one speaking with you. Jesus said, you have both seen him, and he is the one that's talking with you. Now, that's kind of... Ironic, isn't it? He's saying you have seen him. What is he talking about? You've seen him before. Huh? You have seen him before. Notice the first time he's ever seen Jesus. He's seen him with his new eyes. He can see him. He can actually physically see him, but the reality is he can already see him with his heart. You see how that works? Why? Because God had turned the lights on in his heart so that he could see him. Now his physical eyes are helping him to see the same thing. All right. So, Jesus reveals himself to the people who are really seeking him. If you in your heart are truly being driven to know Jesus and to know God, 
then God will reveal Himself to you. Now, how is God going to reveal Himself to you? Is He going to hang over your bed at night and tell you what to do? No, He's going to, like, if you pray for something, He's going to, like... Okay, He can speak to you through providence. But what is the main way that God shows Himself to us? Helps us to know Him. Well, here's a hint. What are we doing here today? Bible study. So how does God reveal Himself to us? Through His Word. Through His Word. So, if God is really at work in a person's heart, what is their attitude going to be towards God's Word? We want to know more. We want to know. You're going to want to know. You see? Jesus revealed in verse 37... Jesus said, you have both seen him, and it is he who is speaking with you. Jesus reveals himself to those who are really seeking him. Now, verse 38, look what happens. The Lord, and he said, Lord, what is he calling Jesus? God, Yahweh, Jehovah, the covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God, Lord, and then he worshipped him. And that term worship means he basically fell on his knees before him and worshipped. Now, he also said that he believed. He did yeah, believe. I got that. Yep. I got that. Good. He believed and he proves his belief by worshiping Jesus. Now, Jesus is Jewish. What are the rules that the Jewish people live by? I'm not sure. Well, there's ten of them. Well, the ten commandments. The ten commandments. That's exactly right. Now, what is the first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. And what is the second commandment? You shall not bow down and worship anything that is not God. Now, does have no idols? Yeah. You should not have no Do not worship anything in the creation. Only worship the Creator. All right. Now, does Jesus know those rules? Of course. Yeah, he wrote them. He's one that gave them. But he also says he writes them on the tablet of your heart once you become a believer. In other words, you just good. All right, good. So watch this. Yeah, but I'm saying, but what I what the way I was raised is what that meant was that once you become a believer, that it's just instinct. It's automatically in you. It's not. It comes natural natural. to you. Good. Yeah. Good. All right. Now watch. That's perfect, Heather. Because watch. What does this man do? He falls down at Jesus' feet and does what? Worships him. If the law is written in this man's heart and Jesus is not God, would that guy ever fall down and worship? Now, what does Jesus know the Ten Commandments too? He wrote them. Yeah, he wrote them. Now, watch this. Do you think Jesus would let this man bow down and worship him? No. If he would, if he wasn't God? Mm-hmm. No. The Remember, the angels do never do that, do they? The angels always say, "Get up! You don't worship me. We only worship God." But in this case, Jesus receives this man's worship, doesn't he? So what is Jesus claiming in that? That he's God and he is worthy of worship. You see? You see how that works? So, in verse 38, this man makes a profession of faith. I believe. And not only does he make a profession of faith, but he shows his belief by his worship of God. That makes sense? Remember what we said. He says, yes, I believe Lord. And what did I say that word Lord means? You are the what? If you call somebody Lord, you're saying you're the what? You're the boss of me. And so what does he do? He falls before Jesus' feet. He calls him Lord. And he shows that he's boss by kneeling before him. So if God is at work in our life, there should be a profession of faith. And there should be worship of God. And what does that worship look like? Heather brought it up. True worship of God 
means that his law is written in my heart and now my life is going to reflect that through my that 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 profession of faith is going to come out in the way that I willingly walk in God's truth. I want to follow the law. Yeah. I want to follow the rules. We want like this morning I was praying and I thanked him for his guidance. I thanked him for his blessings and I want to make him proud of me so that I can uh, bring him glory and I need his help to do that. That's what came to my head to pray. I know the word proud doesn't really fit in there, but I want God to be proud of me. We we want to please Him. If we love Him, we will obey Him. So if His law is really in my heart, then it's going to come out in my life through my worship. And what is my worship going to be? The way I walk, the way I talk, the way I feel, the way I think, the way I act, the way I treat others. And and also... It doesn't all come at once. Nope. It's a growing process. Yep. Now now I wanna I wanna look in verse thirty nine because there could be some conflict here. It says Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world so that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. So Jesus is saying he come into the world to judge. Now we could have a problem with that because if you look at the bottom of the, the passages I gave you, look down here in the bottom, you see where it says compare John 3 17 and John 12 47? Look what this says. In John 3 17, for God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world but but in order that the world might be saved through Him. But then look in John 12 47. If anyone hears my saying and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him the word I spoke. That will be his judge. The word? So, who is the word? Jesus. Jesus. So, it's almost like it's like he doesn't judge, but yet he is the judge. Well, remember, God is both the God of mercy and forgiveness. And truth and justice. Truth and, justice. and he and you can't divide him. And that's why Jesus had to come and be man. So when Jesus came the first time, what did he come to do? To seek and to save that which was lost. That's what he came to do. Now when he comes back this next time, he's going to be judging. He's going to be the judge. And what is going to be his standard for judging? His word. Jesus Christ. His word. That's what he's going to use to judge people. So, what is Jesus doing with this blind man? Sharing his word with him. What is Jesus doing with the Pharisees and his enemies? Sharing his word with them. And based on their acceptance or or rejection of that word, they're judging themselves, aren't they? Right, okay. So, do you remember how the Bible teaches us that on the last day, when the day of the Lord, when God comes back to judge the world and destroy all evil, He says that, his, that He is going to separate the sheep and the goats. You remember that? Well, did you know he, that... He's doing that through the judgment. Yes. Right? Okay. All right. But did you know that in a sense, He is already separating yes, the sheep and the goat in it? Yes. Because what is He doing? All around this world today, just like we're in here doing this Bible study today, there's people all over the world today doing Bible studies. 
People are sharing God's truth all over this world right now today. And you know what's happening? That word is judging, isn't it? It's separating the sheep from the goats. Yeah, because the goats go the other way. Goats reject it. The sheep hear it and come. You see how that works? So God's word is already judging. And what does that judgment look like? If you are His, your eyes will be open and you will see. Right. If you are not His, you will reject One Him and walk away. tremendous blessing. Yeah. It's just like, it's just like when I first started, we remember when I was staying at Salvation Army, they had the barbecue. It was a bunch of them people, man. And I'm pretty much the only one that stuck. Yeah. So, yeah. Think, about, God so, so think about that. God's Word is going out all over the world. His light is going out all over the world today. And it is judging people. It is judging whether you are His or you are not. Now, is that up to the individual to judge whether they're His or not? No, He's the judge. I don't get to be the judge. Juliana, that's a very good sign that you're one of His. So, still here and not. we need to remember that at a spiritual level, blindness refers to people that are in spiritual darkness. But if you are His... And that light comes on, what's going to happen? You're going to know you're in the dark and you're not going to want to be there anymore. If you really belong to Him, when that light shines, you're going to want to get in the light and and not in the dark. But if you're not His, when the lights come on, what are you going to want to do? Run in the dark. Right, so I I get them little stinking roaches in my house. Right, you turn on the light, what do they do? They run go go hide. Right, they go hide. Can you imagine? So what do I do? I I spread the judgment around my house with the bug spray, and they die. Right? I judge them. They are roaches, and they need to die. But the point being is, is that God's word is judging every day. And in this story, we're seeing that, aren't we? His light came into Jerusalem and that blind man received his sight. And the religious crowd, the very ones that were the ones that supposedly could see... Better than everybody else. And who did Jesus save? The beggar, the pauper, the one that needed him the most. So, Jesus came to open eyes to give them revelation. The people who he is working in their hearts realize their lost condition and come to him for help. There are other people that think that they have found it, that they've got it all, and they would never come to Jesus. Those who see was Jesus' cryptic way of saying those who think they see. Because look what it says in that, in that verse, verse uh, 39. For judgment I came into the world so that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. So what does the light do for his sheep? It opens their eyes. It gives them joy and happiness. What does the light do for the goats? For those who are not his? It blinds them even more. It terrifies them. And so... Uh, the Pharisees in this chapter are confident, but they're wrong. There's no content in being content and, and one of the goats, like one of the unbelievers. Like you don't have the contentment that you do when you're a child of God. Things will be happening all around you. You're okay. 
So, one of the things that we need to see here is that John is stressing that there is a certain poverty of spirit, a putting down of personal pride, and an acknowledgement that I can't see to those who God is working in. There's a recognition that I don't know it all. There's a recognition that God has something that I need. There's a recognition that I can't do it on my own. You see how that works? But with the blind, they claim that they can see and they don't need any help. So look what they said in verse 40. The Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said, We're not blind too, are we? So they heard Jesus talking to the blind man. And what did he tell the blind man? He said, I've come into this world so that the blind could see and the see would become blind. Those that see could become blind. He's telling this to the blind man. Now, do you think the blind man understands the stark reality between not being able to see and being able to see? Yes. Both physically and now. And being able to see that he's a Savior. Good. And the other folks folks cannot see it. That's exactly right. And... Um, he said, they asked him, oh, so we're blind too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Pro- I want you to listen to this verse in Proverbs. Do you see a man that is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than him. Let me read that again. Because every one of us in this room are guilty of this at times. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than him. Yep. How many times do you think that you you know it and you will argue the whole world down and then wake up one day and realize that you were ignorant and wrong? But all of your friends come to you, all of your family, all of your loved ones come to you and try to convince you that you're wrong. And what do you say? I got it. Right? It says, you see a man that is wise in his own eyes. And that was what was wrong with these Pharisees. They were wise in their own eyes. From their point of view, they were the smartest people in the room. Right, and it was getting worse and worse and worse. The problem was they needed to see it from God's eyes, not theirs. Yeah, they didn't. And they didn't. Right? One of the greatest things that can happen in our lives is when God allows us to see ourselves from His point of view. Because we are very proud. And I can see all of your problems, but when it comes to my problems, I don't see them too much. Right, but you know, there's also the point where I wonder and wonder, and I still do today, why me? Why do you love me? I was such a wretch. I did such horrible things on the street. Why me? I don't deserve this. So is that seeing me through his eyes, or he sees something beautiful? Because he's love. We need to see it from his point of view that he can love the unloving. That he can change me. Yeah, that he can change us. Don't so, believe you love me. what did he say to him? What is his reply? We're not blind too, are we? And this is what Jesus said. If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. And mine says your guilt remains. Yeah, yeah. Sin, sin or guilt. Mm-hmm. All right, so think about that. What that means, guys, ladies is that every time that you've gone to church, every time that you've come to a Bible study and sat and listened to God's Word, God's Word is going to judge you. 
And now what you have heard today, you are now accountable for. You can no longer go running around and say, oh, I didn't know. Because you have been shown truth in His Word. God has brought people into your life. God has brought pastors into your life. God has brought teachers into your life. God has brought people into your life to help you to see the truth, to see the light. Yeah. And you are going to have a reaction to what He has done. You are either going to receive Him and believe Him or reject Him and walk away. You're either going to blow it off or become more curious. And so, those who God is working in their life, just like this blind man, recognize their blindness and recognize their need for God. And the need to know more about His Word. The ones who are wise in their own eyes, they don't need any help. They don't need any advice. They don't need people judging them or getting in their business and and telling them what to do. Right? That's when they crash and burn. Yeah. And so I hope that we finish John 9 now, and I hope that everybody has taken something uh, from what we've learned about this blind man. Where do we see ourselves in that story? Where do we see ourselves in that prayer in Psalm 27? Can I cry out to God and see times in my life where I felt like He's abandoned me? Can I see times in my life where even my family and my friends have turned their backs on me and I've needed God? Can we see times in our lives where God has been that light for us, that He has turned on the light so that we can see Him, receive Him, and believe Him? And are we walking in that light? Because this man has a new life. He has new eyes, and he has a new life. And he's going to live the rest of his life in those new eyes and that new life. Before we end, I have two written notes from okay. other Bible studies I'd like to read. All right. Giving thanks is an expression of dependence. We need Him, so thank Him. And that's from Psalm 105 and 106, but it, it has something to do with this story. And the other note was, don't say God told me. Don't put words in God's mouth. God's Word will lead you. All right. So I will see you guys next month, the first week of next month, I guess. Yep. All right. Let's close with a word of prayer. I hope you all have a blessed month. All right. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for your love, your light, and your truth. Thank you for opening our heart and our eyes. Help us to continue to walk in your light. Uh, Help us to share that light with others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.